It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Sunday, October 25th, 2020. On this day in 1929, President Harding's Interior Secretary, Albert B. Fall, was found guilty of accepting a bribe while in office. No other cabinet member before him had ever been convicted of a crime. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the Teapot Dome scandal. It was revealed that Albert Fall, the Secretary of the Interior, took approximately $400,000 worth of bribes from major oil companies. Now let's go back to Washington, D.C. on October 25th, 1929. (coughs) Albert B. Fall sat in the prisoner's dock of a D.C. courtroom coughing. A year ago, he'd been President Harding's Secretary of the Interior. Now he was sick with a lung ailment and on trial for one of the greatest scandals in the nation's history. A nurse stood on his right side and a physician on his left as he awaited his final verdict. The trial began back in April of 1922, after Wyoming oilmen spotted the Sinclair logo on the side of a few trucks. The next day, the Wall Street Journal broke the news that a deal had been brokered between the federal government and Harry Sinclair to develop a naval oil reserve at Teapot Dome in Wyoming. Fall had spun it well at first, saying that the deal was an excellent thing for the United States, but there were suspicions as to why there'd been no competitive bidding. The government answered that Sinclair Oil had won the contract because it was only one of two corporations that had the capacity to undertake the project with their cooperation. If it hadn't been for Wyoming Senator John B. Kendrick, they might have even gotten away with it. But Kendrick wanted to investigate further. The Teapot Dome was government-owned land. There wasn't a precedent for the rights to drill being given to private interests. President Roosevelt had intended for the land to be conserved, not dug up for profit. Kendrick inquired to the cabinet as to how the contracts had come about, but he'd gotten no reliable information. So on April 16, 1922, he introduced and passed a resolution that required Fall to give an answer. Fall responded within the week, stating truthfully that the contract had been given to Henry Sinclair's newly formed Mammoth Oil Company two weeks prior to the announcement. But his answer wasn't enough for the Senate. 
On April 29, 1922, Wisconsin Senator Robert La Follette authorized the Committee on Public Lands and Surveys to investigate all of the leases of naval oil reserves. This also required Secretary Fall to release all documents and information on the matter. Something about the deal wasn't right. For one, Albert Fall had become suddenly rich. He was an avid poker player, but there was no way that he would have been able to purchase a New Mexico ranch from gambling winnings alone. Plus, he'd previously carried a mountain of debt. And when someone ransacked La Follette's office in the Senate, he became even more suspicious. The investigation was slow and tedious, initially led by a junior minority member, Montana Democrat Thomas Walsh. It stalled out. Then, in January of 1923, Albert Fall resigned from his position to spend time on his new ranch. In August of 1923, President Harding died suddenly, and President Calvin Coolidge was sworn in. Coolidge appointed new special Democrat and Republican prosecutors to the investigation. Emblazoned by new authority, the investigatory committee soon discovered that Fall had purchased his New Mexico ranch with a $100,000 interest-free loan from an oil man named Edward Doheny, the owner of Pan American Petroleum Company. When Doheny was called in to testify, he admitted that he had given his son, Ned Doheny, a black bag containing five stacks of $20,000 each to be delivered directly to Fall. Not long after, Doheny's company was given exclusive drilling rights to two different naval reserves in California. The investigation also discovered that a large herd of livestock had been purchased by Harry Sinclair and delivered to Falls Ranch. Sinclair's company then transferred some $300,000 worth of bonds and cash to Falls' son-in-law. When asked why he had kept these contracts a secret from the public, Fall claimed that it was to protect the locations of valuable national resources, but by then, Fall had already looked very guilty. On October 25, 1929, former Secretary of the Interior Albert Fall was convicted of accepting a $100,000 bribe from oil tycoon Edward Doheny. He was sentenced to a fine of the same amount and one year in prison. Fall was the first cabinet member in U.S. history to be convicted of bribery he would not be the last. Coming up, President Harding's involvement in the scandal. Listeners, who doesn't love a good ghost story? Rattling chains, mysteriously moving objects, unfinished business. I am ready for all things spooky, and so is Parcast Network. Starting October 1st, we're bringing you the scariest, most hair-raising ghost stories ever imagined. Every Thursday on the new original series, Haunted Places Ghost Stories, Alastair Merton summons a new spine-tingling tale of wraiths, phantoms, and chilling apparitions. 
These stories come from all over the world, including Japan, India, the UK, and even ancient Rome. Don't miss stone-cold classics like The Kit Bag by Algernon Blackwood, a sinister account of a condemned murderer's final wish, and the lengths he'd go to fulfill it and The Miserere, a Spanish tale of a wandering musician who hears a terrifyingly beautiful song in a burned-out monastery and is doomed to capture its notes until he dies. You can find and follow Haunted Places Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, October is our favorite month and one of our busiest. So make sure to search ParCast Network in the Spotify search bar to see all our new shows. Now back to our story. On October 25th, 1929, Former Secretary of the Interior Albert B. Fall was officially convicted of bribery and sentenced to one year in prison. Fall had taken bribes from oil tycoons Edward Doheny and Harry Sinclair in exchange for exclusive mining contracts on U.S. naval reserves, despite no historical precedent. But Fall had not necessarily been a rogue actor from the U.S. government. In fact, the entire administration was wrought with scandal. Publicly, President Warren B. Harding had run on a platform of small-town values, a return to normalcy, and a generally conservative agenda that involved protecting American interests over his predecessor Woodrow Wilson's international involvement. But privately, he had the growing oil industry tugging at his ear. Oil was booming at the time. By 1920, the U.S. exported more than 80% of the world's oil. The chairman of the Republican National Committee was an attorney who frequently represented oil interests and sat on the board of a major oil company. Henry Sinclair himself funneled $3 million into that year's convention. So after he won the 1920 election, Harding appointed Fall to the position of Secretary of the Interior, a major win for the oil companies. Fall, a senator from New Mexico, was a strong opponent of Teddy Roosevelt's conservationist movement, which sought to protect and limit the drilling of oil on American soil. Instead, Fall firmly believed that any regulations were an impediment to jobs and development and wanted to get drilling. He quickly convinced President Harding to transfer the naval oil reserves over to Fall's Interior Department. Once transferred, Fall began negotiating with his oil industry friends to sell the lease rights. After contracts were drawn up with both Sinclair and Doheny, Harding himself signed the papers. But there was one problem. The Teapot Dome land leased to Sinclair already had been claimed by Colonel James G. Darden. And in the summer of 1922, Darden began drilling. Fall went right into the White House and demanded that Harding send in the U.S. Marines to contend with the squatters, as he called Darden and his crew. Harding was reluctant at first. Darden was a friend and campaign donor, but Fall aggressively persuaded him and marched straight to then-Secretary of the Navy, Ted Roosevelt Jr., and told him to send in the Marines. When Roosevelt asked if it was legal, 
Fall lied and told him that there was precedent. Not long after dealing with Darden, the Denver Post got wind of the confrontation and published it. They threatened additional editorials detailing the scandal, but possibly pressured by both Fall and Harding, Harry Sinclair paid the paper $1 million to keep quiet. Soon after, Fall stepped down as Secretary of the Interior. By January of 1923, Harding's entire cabinet was falling apart. Known as the Ohio Gang, other members also faced accusations of corruption and bribery. Even Harding himself was suspected of taking money from Sinclair after a suspiciously high offer came in for the purchase of Harding's newspaper. Harding tried to keep his distance from the scandals, even famously claiming that he could take care of his enemies all right, but his friends were the ones who kept him walking the floor at nights. The controversy weighed on him behind closed doors. On August 2nd, 1923, Harding died at the young age of 57. The cause of death is debated, but believed to be either a heart attack or a stroke. Meanwhile, Fall served nine months in jail, but was released early on account of his health. He died in 1944, but his legacy would live on in an important way. The 1929 Supreme Court ruling in Sinclair versus the United States gave the Senate the power to investigate criminal cases involving government officials, a practice that continues to be important even today. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about government oversight, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Political Scandals. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Stacey Lee Nemec, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Remember to join Alastair Murden every Thursday for the all-new series, Haunted Places, Ghost Stories. Don't miss the most chilling spirits ever imagined by authors from around the world. Follow Haunted Places, Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.